order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, along with my co-host, Brendan. And today we're going to talk about something. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to see if you can guess. You ready? All right, so what do you think? Classical music. Exactly. Exactly. Yep, that's nope, exactly we're right. about something else. Beer. Yep. We're talking about beer. Because yes, we are. Today is... Today is National Beer Day. Didn't even know they had such a thing. See, I think it's an excuse created by people who want to drink beer today. Because what is it? It's a Monday. It's a sad, sluggish kind of day. You know, the weekend's over. Someone was like, this weekend, or this... This day is going to be beer day. So we have the excuse to drink beer all day. That's what I think. That, in my opinion, is the origins of beer day. Is beer day? It's not on every Monday. No, it's, it's just specifically today. That's right. Well, today's Tuesday. Well, then I must have passed out in a drunken stupor. What were you doing on beer day? And forgotten about <laughs> beer day. Perhaps I drank myself... So much that I forgot about it at all. No, so, but in all honesty, I'm, so you I'm, still think it's yeah, Monday because of your beer Monday. day escapades. That's right. That's right. So you see how festive I have been. Man, I'd hate to see you on St. Patrick's Day. Your name is Brendan. That's right. That's right. I put on a green suit. Go all out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, Eat Lucky Charms and beer. So, and beer. So, We're not with beer in the Lucky Charms. That would be gross. That would be disgusting. Oh, here's my issue. Let's hear it. I don't like beer. Neither do I. I just, there's something about beer. I've tried it. I remember getting, I was at a restaurant. And I was like, you know what? It was at a brewery, actually. I was like, I want to I mm-hmm. get into this. All right. Because growing up, you know, you'd go to these parties and kids were drinking beer in high school. Mm-hmm. I just never liked the taste of it. And then you'd get older and, and still drinking beer. I liked wine. I got into wine. When big I wine was, guy, but not a big beer guy. Right. Harsh attack on beer. So I, I went to this this brewery. I tried this wine flight. I had all these different ones. You know, the bottles look cool. The names look cool. Who doesn't want, like, pumpkin ale, sleepy That's right. hollow? It's like, yes, I'd like that, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then for some reason, mm-hmm. it's not what I think it's going to taste like. Is that so? You know, it's like when you see something, like if you had somebody whipped up you know, mayonnaise and then put it on top of your ice cream and you thought it was That's disgusting. whipped cream and then you taste it and you're like, oh my God, what is this? Because That's you awful. thought it was one thing. Well, I, I would think that beer tasted a different way. I just don't like it. I like it's, wine. It's nuts. I like whiskey, scotch, but not beer. not beer. I mean, I'm more of a sparkling water guy myself, but man, happy beer day, everyone. We hate it. Like what a, what a harsh attack. <laughs> You're on Understanding the Law Radio. Lots of people hate it, though. They True. file lawsuits about it. That's right. That's where we're getting today. We are going to talk about some beer day. Well, not beer day, but beer lawsuits. And you'd be surprised. You would be surprised. And I think you'll enjoy this whether you're like us or whether you're a regular Barney Gumble from The Simpsons. I think you're going to enjoy these. Just don't whine about it if don't, you don't oh, like it. That's right. 
All right, let's go. You want to start hope, us off? I hope I don't give you an ailment. Uh-huh. I so like mine funny. better. Mine was much yeah, better. Was mine much fit better. in. All right, an fair. ailment. So when looking this up, I was trying to research what kind of beer-related lawsuits have happened, and I found this fascinating article. Seven times, Big Beer was sued for misleading the public, and I was like, that's fascinating. We could talk about this. This is seven instances of the same thing. Are you ready for this? Is it the same company? No. Different companies, all of whom wow. meet the same fate. We're not going to talk touch on this for too long, but AB InBev's Lef, I might be mispronouncing that, isn't made by Belgian monks in Belgium. A Miami man took his discontent to the courts in 2016 after thinking that Anheuser-Busch's Lef beer was actually made in a Belgian abbey by Belgian monks. The packaging says it was first brewed and perfected by Belgian monks over 700 years ago. There are seven centuries of Belgian craftsmanship in every chalice. So you mean to tell me that this is about people who upset? actually thought that Belgian monks stood around after centuries of practice and brewed their beer. In silence, in total silence. Yes, that's right. They just motion to each other, bring me the paddle. There's, But they don't say it, right? Because they... That's right, yeah, yeah. Hopping and barley and... Yep. Right? Right, these monks. So you telling out me they were not, they were not brewing the beer by hand. So I got monked. You, I, <laughs> I've never heard that word used that way. Okay. Well, you know, you've been punked, but yeah, you you've got been monked. monked. I got okay. monked. And Here's Heiser another Bush one. Has monked me. This one might sound similar to the last one, and that's because it is Kona Brewing's Hawaiian style beer isn't brewed in Hawaii. In early 2017, two California residents sued the Kona Brewing Company for tricking them into thinking the beer is brewed in Hawaii. Where's it brewed? Um, Kona's beers have Hawaiian themes and names, but are actually made on the mainland and have been since 2012. Doesn't say specifically where, but I can assure you it's not Hawaii. Hmm, That's interesting. I wonder, do you know the outcome of that one? I don't know the outcome, but I don't think it matters because I have another one to move on to. Walmart's craft beer isn't brewed in a craft brewery. Is it built in the back room? It brewed was, in the yeah, back room? It was, <laughs> the beer called Trouble Brewing is nothing but trouble for people who think that it's a small batch product. The beer is actually made by WX Brands in the Macro Genesee Brewing Facilities. So, it's just a lie. And there's more. Coors Light isn't brewed in the Rocky Mountains. Are you kidding me? You can't actually taste the Rocky I when thought, drinking Coors Light. I thought that there were Hawaiian monks standing in the Rockies. Brewing all this. No, now you're just mixing this all together. Oh, I'm so, so confused. So all of these have their own, you know, details and specific things about them. But the fact is, if you see a beer that says it's made anywhere, just don't believe it. Right? Like, don't listen to it. Unless it says, like, Brooklyn. Well, maybe. Maybe. Although, I don't know. I mean, all these. There is, isn't there a Brooklyn beer company? Do they actually brew in Brooklyn? Who knows? For all we know, they could just not. You know, a bunch of monks could be doing it in Belgium. Not Hawaiian sure. monks. That's right. So, you know, so yeah, I mean, I found this very fascinating that time after time, people are dead set on suing these beer companies for seemingly claiming that they are brewed somewhere where they're not. Well, it is misleading, though. I mean, if I thought I was getting like when I, I gone to Disney World and I've gone to the Kona Cafe in um, the Polynesian and I'll get the Kona coffee, right? Because they're telling me it's come from Hawaii and it's it's like really good. Mm -hmm. And now I don't know if I should believe them. Yeah, for all we know, it could be the 
Chicago Cafe. Or the Orlando or the, Cafe. Or the Orlando Cafe. Just yeah. Who do I trust? What is this world coming to? We don't know. This next one we've touched on in the past. But I think it's so funny that we have to bring it up here on Beer Day. Okay. You know beer commercials. Yeah, the what ones with like, like the, the horses and like they're... No, 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 not the sad horses. Not the sad horse beer no. commercials. No, no, I mean like the regular ones where it's people having fun at a party. Sure. In the sun, hanging out. They're drinking beer. Maybe if I drink beer, I'll get friends and parties. There's well, hot girls. Yeah, that's right. Richard Overton, uh-huh. a man in 1991, sued Anheuser-Busch for $10,000, citing false and misleading advertising that allegedly caused emotional distress, mental injury, and financial loss. Because it wasn't brewed in Belgium? No. No. He said, and I quote, that the ads which depicted beer's magical ability to facilitate scenic tropical settings and beautiful women and men engaged in endless and unrestricted merriment turned out to be untrue. So he drank the beer thinking he would be transported to he, a tropical yes, island. where he could have unrestricted merriment. And he had none. He had none. And wasn't on an island. Nope. And the uh, the case of, was dismissed. Uh, are you sure? Uh, you would think he'd win something like that. <laughs> I well, drank this beer. There's no hot people. And I'm right. still no in my, my crappy apartment. Yeah. Well, he didn't back down because in a 2007 interview, he took umbrage at his popular image as a sexually frustrated guy who drinks Bud Light so he could find pretty girls. Turns out he has three children with his wife of three decades. Oh, man. He said that the spark of the, for the suit was seeing his young kids captivated by Spuds McKenzie, the dog depicted in Bud Light commercials. And again, I quote, I looked at them and I thought, this isn't right. Here are my kids being drawn to part of the culture of alcohol because of this advertising. That's when I figured something needed to be done. Now, I wonder if he told his wife, I am not happy with our merriment. <laughs> I'm going to drink this beer so I can get Stop the hell away from you. restricting my merriment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about that, but that is yeah. fascinating. I'm not sure about that one either or his rationale behind that. that that's, pretty, that's pretty rough. Yeah. We, that, I think that's completely crazy. You know? I mean, wh- what do you think? Do you think there's any, any truth to what he's arguing? Truth in what way? I mean- in a legal sense, like, is there any amount of not, you know, look, I, I like the Belgian monks not actually brewing things because that that is misleading. That's like, you know, Poland Springs when they say it's coming to you straight from Maine and you think like they're scooping it out of a lake, but they're actually not. I think that those have some value. Right. I think that that makes sense. I, I can get behind an argument like that, but I can't get behind an argument where somebody is is going to sue for something so unbelievably frivolous. I mean, really, common sense. That's like, you know, hey, if, if um, you know, I, I don't even know. I guess, you know, it's comparable to. It's comparable to the old cigarette ads, like the Joe Camel ads. Now, this is way before your time. This is when, like, cigarettes were advertised on TV. Mm-hmm. And they always depicted, you know, people on the beach, people having fun. And here you've got Joe Camel, and he's this mascot, and everything's got super cool. And if you want to be cool, you're going to smoke cigarettes. I, I think that that is slightly different than the beer argument because the cigarettes are, 
you know, at least now known to have cancer causing chemicals in them. And I would argue that in the 70s, 80s, um, and whenever they stopped showing those commercials, that at that point, and I, I think there's litigation uh, to this effect that says that they knew and that that's why we don't see cigarette commercials anymore. Mm-hmm. This, I think beer is different. I don't think beer is necessarily, it doesn't contain carcinogens or harmful chemicals. Beer is alcohol, and right, too much alcohol, you, you've got problems. But right. it's not, I wouldn't say it's inherently dangerous right yeah. like it's not inherently dangerous like a cancer causing chemical might be so i don't even buy that second argument when he tried to redeem himself i mean after the first time where he's got to tell his wife listen i sued <laughs> because there was not unrestricted merriment at our house and i was looking for hot women not you thanks for the three kids but no thanks <laughs> you know you think he'd let it go but yeah. no no he's so stubborn that he's just going to push forward and come up with that reason. Yeah. I don't like it. Well, <laughs> we are going to take a swing here from the totally a swig? Un- a swig? No, not a swig. Oh. I said a swing. A your mind is being corrupted by the beer. All right. Who do we sue for this? Who do we Who sue? do we sue? Um well, we are taking a complete swing from the unsuccessful lawsuits to a lawsuit that actually won $56 million. Wow. So do you, have you heard of Stone IPA? No. So the Stone Brewing Company is a very famous craft beer. It's the ninth largest craft brewer in the U.S. It's got breweries in California, Richmond, Virginia, and other places. Um, uh, according to their website, they're available in all 50 states as well as 40 countries. In the 2010s, um, Stone Brewing was facing um, hard times. They were running out of money. They were struggling. And they claimed that the huge sale losses in that decade was due to Coors, Molson Coors. Okay. Who make Coors Light, uh, Coors, you know, Miller, uh, and Keystone Light. And it's that specific brand that caused a problem because Keystone Light was sued by Stone Brewing claiming that the ad imagery displayed the word stone only was an example of trademark infringement that confused beer beer consumers. And there's a picture here I see. It's a blue box, and on the box it says Keystone. However, on the can, the key is gone. It just says the word stone. And so to someone like me, if you were to see it in a cooler or at a, at a store and, or not in box, right. it clearly says stone. I wouldn't think that's Keystone. And, you know, I think that's interesting because this stone brewing, like, like that's crazy. You know what I mean? Uh, the San Diego federal jury ruled that in 2017 and afterwards, a rebranding of Keystone Light to feature just the stone part of its name did infringe on Stone Brewery's trademark. However, the jury also determined that infringement was not intentional. Uh, uh, so that just avoided more punitive damages, yeah. but that's still crazy. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the, uh, the 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 thought behind that was. You know, was it an intentional thought? I mean, look, the judge said or the court says it's not intentional. It was negligent, basically, right? They but- claim it's yeah. They claim that it's not um, on purpose. However, yeah. I mean, Stone Brewery is such a large company. At, at least at this point, 
it's it's not crazy to think that they perhaps did it on purpose. I mean, they got rid of all the words except for stone on the can. Why would they make keystone but have the can only say stone? You would th- I mean, look, I don't know because obviously haven't seen this case, but right. uh, it's hard to believe. I mean, look, I guess stranger things have happened because there are plenty of big companies that make careless mistakes. They don't mean it on purpose and and who knows, maybe somebody, you know, push the idea through at a marketing meeting and then they were like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And they didn't even think about it. So I guess sure. it's, it's possible, but you would think that there would be better controls over what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, we, we've discussed issues like this before. We talked about, if you remember a while ago, bang energy and monster energy where monster energy in order to capitalize off the smaller company bang when it was at the time smaller, they created identical drinks that tasted the same, had the same designs. Yeah. And, you know, they were just like, oh, this company is nothing to us. We can absorb all of what they're doing into our own. But brand. see, that's deliberate. I, I right. feel like that was like, hey. Absolutely. We, we, oh, no, no. That was completely deliberate. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, and I'm just saying, you know, we've seen it before where companies say, this smaller brand that's just starting off, that's just becoming popular, we can do what they're doing cheaper uh more effectively and uh capitalize off of the little amount of hype they already have right and i think that sometimes they think you know the the, it's worth the risk of a potential lawsuit because they're going to make so much money um you know in the interim Mm -hmm. so like they know they're going to be sued they know that somebody's going to come after them but they do it anyway because they they see I guess that it can be more valuable, right, than uh, than not doing it. So yeah, absolutely. That's what I think. I mean, I I think it's crazy. I looked at that and I thought to myself, that is definitely at least slightly intentional. You know, yeah. Even if it wasn't their primary directive to, you know, let's just do this, it was clear that they had to have thought of it. You know. Well, the court said no, but you say yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm going against the court on this one. I'm gonna go with you. Well, I have another one for you, but this one's not about beer. It is about a fan of beer, specifically someone who played beer pong. Have you ever engaged in a game of beer pong? I don't like beer. I've played ping pong. Have you ever played wine pong? No, let me tell you. I had a very, very boring college life. I studied. I did sports. I didn't go to parties. Very boring. That sucks. I would not be on Animal House. I was very, very boring. That is boring. Well, a New Jersey man has a life that is the opposite of yours because this man got so drunk playing beer pong at a pub that he thought walking across a busy highway was a good idea. Apparently, according to the judge. (laughs) Apparently it's not. uh, Yeah, apparently it's not. Uh, According to the judge, he cannot sue the bar over his injuries. In a decision, Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Lucy Billings threw out this guy's lawsuit against Wicked Willies, which is the name of the pub. Part of Wet Willies. Now, this is Wicked Willies. Wicked Willies. Finding he'd signed up for the fast-paced beer-drinking game of his own free will. And I quote, Despite the game tables, cups, and alcohol that the defendant bar made available to plaintiff and other bar patrons without serving the alcohol, Plaintiff voluntarily engaged in the drinking game and consumed alcohol to the point of diminished capacity. Got so, it. yeah. 
Well, look, this is really interesting because I've actually, I've had a lot of lawsuits about this sort of thing, um, you know, where some of my clients have been um, partakers in, in larger groups, larger parties, right? And then you go out, you go to a bar and, and bad stuff happens. Yeah. And I mean, it sucks for the guy because he has a lot of injuries. It says, you know, yeah. uh, liver, liver injuries, leg injury, knee injuries, and it sucks. Well, let me tell you something about liver injuries. Well, when you overindulge in alcohol, there is a good chance you're going to have a liver injury. True. I mean, his uh, his blood alcohol level <laughs> at the hospital, which was long after the event in the first place, but was 0.26, almost four times higher than the legal driving limit. That's nuts. You know what it is, though? Like, I, I get it. I get why these people file these lawsuits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot. I mean, there's dram shop laws in the United States that um, hold a bar or anyone serving alcohol holds them accountable when you have overserved somebody there's a whole you know slew of of cases about that you know as as a um a drinking establishment you, you've got a, a a duty of care to not overserve somebody and if you see somebody that is drunk and you continue to serve them mm-hmm. you know then you you're at fault for that so I would imagine, without looking at this case myself, I would imagine that when he went into the bar, he probably was not drunk, probably saw beer pong as a, a, a game he could sign up for, and yep. then played, and then got himself drunk. Yeah, I mean, I think that if the court ruled that bars had to make sure nobody gets too drunk, a lot of well, they a do. lot of bar enthusiasts would be... No, but well, they... I mean, I mean, <laughs> in terms of, like... In terms of this, like he got drunk, very drunk at a bar and then left. And it was not the bar's fault for letting him get that drunk. No, that's not true. You can't, you have, if, if you go to a bar mm -hmm. and the guy is so drunk and the bartender is supposed to look and see what is the condition of this guy and not serve him to that point. Right. Yeah. And then lets him go. The fact that the guy leaves the bar drunk could be enough you know i had a case once where a guy went to a bar yeah he was served alcohol and served to a point where he was drunk and the bar tender said yes you know he looked like he was you know starting to get drunk but you know he he seemed to be okay the guy got out in his car and ran over somebody and killed them so the the bar was at fault for this and and you know i was representing the the bar but there is a duty like you can't that's why i'd never want to own a bar because i think that you've got to have the right people working for you there that understand what you can and can't do mm-hmm. with respect to overserving people now you know a lot of times a bartender will make a, a decision based on what they're visually observing because it's not like they can say hey yeah, I'm going to give you a breathalyzer, right? They can only see, does this person look inebriated? You know, and, and maybe in this case, I think, I think honestly, that this wasn't an over-service issue. I think that in the one that you're describing, this is like, hey, you're stupid. You signed up for beer pong, right? Mm-hmm. You got drunk, and now you want to, 
sue the bar. You're the one that voluntarily agreed to play beer pong. So, right, right. No, I get that. I think this one's different. I have one that is a little less serious or intense and doesn't involve injury. Okay. December 14th, Bud Light's Twitter account posted, get ready for the next generation of beer. Yangling, who I can't, I hate their name because whenever Yingling. I see it, I pronounce it Yuangling, <laughs> like Yuangling, because that's what the letters are and I have a hard time. So Yingling uh, claimed that that get ready for the next generation of beer tweet from Bud Light is infringing on Yingling's own uh, tagline for its uh, low carb beer. That said, uh, it was marketed as the next generation of light beer. And they had already registered the phrase with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office more than a year before that date. The Yingling, instead of attacking Bud Light or immediately suing them, sent them a cease and desist and then tweeted them an image of a cartoon burglar (laughs) pilfering the catchphrase. We know imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but this is going too far. Yingling tweeted at Bud Light. That's funny. Flight by Yingling is one of our lead brands. It's one of our fastest growing brands, one of the spokespersons said. We've created this great product, and if some other light beer takes our tagline, obviously that is confusing. Anheuser-Busch did not issue a formal complaint to Yingling. However, Bud Light scrubbed its social media of all the posts and replaced them with ones that teased get, get ready for what's next instead of the next generation of beer. We had hoped they would do the right thing, and in the spirit of the holiday season, they gave us back what belonged to us. We say thanks and happy holidays and have a flight on us. That's funny. So that's the end of that story. That's an interesting story because they could have sued them. They could have sent the cease and desist. They could have then sued them. But Mm -hmm. I think from a a public relations standpoint, like that that was pretty clever. Yeah. I mean, it, it resolved it without legal fees and all kinds of nonsense trouble yeah and i think it kind of put them in i don't know like if i saw that as i'm sitting here listening to the story i'm thinking to myself that was pretty clever yeah let's go have a yangling right yeah like they they managed to resolve this in an amicable fashion Mm -hmm. while still maintaining their rights and protecting themselves i like that that was a good one well i know that i have just dragged you through barbed wire by making you talk about beer, which you hate. I hate beer. You hate beer. So I have one more that I think is fun, and it doesn't involve beer. This is about wine. Okay. I bet you you can enjoy this one. All right. Judge advances class action over mislabeled wine. Copper Cane's Eluan Pinot Noir. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. All of this has nonsense names, Okay. <laughs> You pronounce it for me. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not reading it. This is all on you. Okay. Pinot Noir? Pinot Noir. Okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, in 2018, uh, the winemaker Copper Cane labeled its vintage, vintage Pinot Noir. <laughs> this is awful. With references to the coastal hills of Oregon, calling it an ideal region to grow wine grapes. Its vintage bottles also referred to the Oregon coast as an included... A map of the state with leaves denoting the locations of three prominent winemaking areas. However, in 2018, a federal regulator ordered them to change those labels after concluding they were misleading. 
to claim, and this is this is fascinating, this I did not know about, to claim that a wine comes from a particular state, the U.S. Alcohol and Tobacco Tax Trade Bureau requires at least 75% of the wine be derived from fruit grown in that state. Did you know that? I did know that, actually. I don't know anything about beer, but I do know about wine. You know, because wine is so specific to a region. So if you're going to say, hey, here's here's wine from wine and whiskey and things like that, if you're going to say this is from you know, a particular region, like, like for example, um, Cabernet Sauvignon is from a particular region. You can't just say, Hey, we made it out of these grapes or this grapes. It's, you know, it's a particular grape. So that's very important. And in the same in, in like whiskey, you can't say, you know, here's a single malt whiskey from the, the, the Scottish Highlands when it's not. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, that's important, I think. And it's very similar, though, to the ones you started the show off with, with the, you know, monks are making this or it's, yeah. it's from Hawaii. Yeah. It's still that same idea of, like, you right. know, what are you advertising to people? Like, what are you telling them? What do you want them to believe? Right. Well, they were ordered to change the label, but they did not. Ooh. They were then hit with a class action lawsuit with people who claimed that they would not have paid the higher price if they had known that the labels were misleading them on where the grapes were grown. I kind of understand that. Yeah. Well, the Copper Cane uh, Company's vice president said that the grapes for its Pinot Noirs are grown in the Oregon wine region and then trucked in dry ice to California. He asked the judge to, or they, the company, asked the judge to dismiss the case, arguing that a federal regulator's approval of its new labels in 2018 to make it make it immune from lawsuits under California's safe harbor doctrine. Uh, the judge rejected that argument, concluding that more evidence must be analyzed at a later, later stage of the litigation. But there's a lot of interesting things with this because they also pointed out that um, the judge pointed out that the crucial word in is missing between vinted and bottled in the location where the pin Pinot Noir is processed and packaged. How does that affect things? Well, I think that it would be more truthful to say mm -hmm. that it was bottled in as opposed to saying, right? Right. Or, you know, if you think that something is coming from a particular vineyard or a particular area of the country, you're going to think one thing. Like, for example, right? Well, yes, go ahead. If, if I was going to make a wine and I was going to choose between having that wine come from California yeah. or from New Jersey... I'd, obviously, you'd want it to come from California because California has vineyards. It's known as as there's wine country there. So you'd want to have it come from California because right. people are going to pay more money for a wine that comes from California than, than one from like Bayonne, New Jersey. So if you said that it's bottled in California, but it's from New Jersey, that at least is honest. Right. Well, the, here's the thing with this. Here's the thing with this. They claimed on the bottle it was from Oregon. They, they pointed out all the great winemaking things there. However, they pointed out on the back of the bottle, it says vinted and bottled above the words Napa CA. And the judge was arguing that they didn't put the word in in there. So Meaning say that, that again. So so on the back of the bottle it says vinted and bottled above the word Napa CA for Napa California. Okay. And the judge argued that that doesn't, you know, reprieve them of anything because 
they should have written. Right, it still vinted seems... and bottled in Napa CA. Yes, well that I because make... they just put vinted and bottled and then Napa CA, and he's arguing that because they didn't put in in there, yeah. that doesn't reprieve them from anything because it still seems like they're claiming it's from Oregon. A hundred percent. And I think that's fascinating. Well, it said Napa, you said. Yes, they claimed on the bottle, their claim for this wine was that it was from Oregon. And on the back of the bottle, they said, oh, no, we didn't, because look, vinted and bottled Napa CA. But the judge said, that doesn't mean anything, because you didn't write vinted and bottled in Napa CA. Got it. Yeah, and I I agree with that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's fascinating. I think that uh, they also mentioned that uh, it, it could lead a consumer to believe the wine originated in Oregon due to their graphics on the bottle and that it would require a whole other investigation. I don't have the uh, conclusion of this lawsuit. It seems to still be going on. However, I think it's very fascinating that something as simple as, you know, discrepancies in your label could lead to something like this. Yeah, and I, I don't think that, you know, counting on the fact that the people drinking your your beer are going to be drunk. I don't think that you can say they're going to be drunk, so they're not going to sue us. I don't think it works like that. Right. But you know, in all honesty, I think that there's um, a responsibility of whether it's, it's beer makers or, or food makers to be honest and truthful in their labeling, you know, especially though with things like, like I like cigars. I like, I told you I like wine. I like whiskey, things like that. Right. If I'm going to buy or spend money on a premium cigar that says it's it's from a particular region, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, Cuban cigars are a big thing, right? And, and mm-hmm. there are tons of people that are like, oh, yeah, this is a Cuban cigar. But it, maybe there is a component of that um, cigar that has a particular Cuban leaf, but it's not actually a Cuban cigar. You know, you, you're going to pay more for a cigar that's listed as Cuban or a wine that's listed as coming from France. And and if it's not true, then you're getting duped. And I think that there's responsibility on the producer to make sure that they're being truthful in their advertising. Right. So I, I, you know, there's a lot of lawsuits out there that we've seen that have been ridiculous. I think the guy's lawsuit where he didn't have enough merriment, that's ridiculous. Absolutely. But I do think that these... Um, you know, false advertising ones. I think they have a lot of merit to them. So, you know, I'm on board for for being truthful in, you know, advertising. As am I. So that's going to do it for today with our uh, beer lawsuits. Uh, Did you find those interesting at all? Yeah, they were interesting. I I think that um, that's probably the most thought I've given to beer, to beer in a very long time. Yeah, because most of the time when you're drinking beer, you don't give much thought at all, right? That's well, why. only if you're overindulging in beer. That's right. I'm not saying that no. people that listen to this podcast are doing that. I would like to believe that people that listen to this podcast are, are being drinking responsibly. responsibly. <laughs> yes. Well, leave a comment if you're overindulging <laughs> in beer to let us know. Exactly what kind of listeners we have. Yeah, and how your uh, your international beer day went. That's right. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, including Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. 
Also, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again. See you next time.